But I want you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Uh, We're going to continue our series uh, in the book of Acts and see how the gospel is beginning to spread all across the world uh, and move uh, from sort of the tiny region uh, that we know of as kind of Israel and move beyond into the Mediterranean Sea um, and into other parts of Asia. And we're going to read a lot today, so if you have a Bible, uh, let me encourage you to keep it open uh, because we're going to be reading uh, almost the entire chapter uh, of chapter 13, except for what we read last week. And so in verse 13, uh, we're going to pick up the story. Paul and Barnabas have been commissioned uh, to go, and they've gone and made one trek, and now they're about to go and make another stop. And so here's what it says in Acts 13, verse 13. Now Paul and his companions uh, set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, that's John Mark, uh, left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. And so Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. What a great line. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All of this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, he Uh, Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. This passage is the next stop in the gospel spreading across the modern world. And if you remember from our map last week, uh, I'll show it to you again. Uh, They've gone from Antioch over here next to Syria to the island of Cyprus where Barnabas was from. And then to Paphos, they went the 100 miles across the island. Now they've sailed across that portion of the Mediterranean Sea to Perga in Pamphylia, which is in southern Turkey today. Uh, That's modern-day Turkey there where it says big Asia Minor. And from there, they went up to Antioch in Pisidia. So they've made a couple of stops here. And along the way, uh, they lost a member of their team, John Mark, 
And when they went from Perga to Antioch, that is going from the coastal city uh, to a mountainous city. So they went about 3,600 feet in altitude uh, on that journey as John Mark decides to go back. And so there's this scene here, this, this episode here of them moving from one location to another and their team is changing hands. I want to remind all of us that as you think about God's call on your life, as you think about God's call in the life of the church, not just the local church, but the big C church, uh, not everyone is going to join you on every journey. Not everyone is going to go with you every time. And sometimes that's hard for us to swallow, hard for us to embrace. That, that God has set us out on a, on a vision uh, on a mission to, to do a specific thing. Paul and Barnabas were set apart for this mission, but John Mark was not a part of that laying on of hands moment in the life of the church. And so he didn't join them. We're not sure why. Lots of people have speculated why he went back. Some believe the reason Paul went from the coast to the mountains is because he might have had malaria and was trying to get to the higher altitude, but we really don't know. But this is a, a turning point uh, in the life of this mission journey. It's a turning point for Paul and Barnabas. Because you begin to see on this portion of the journey, Paul is now the leader. Uh, up to this point, up to chapter 13, Barnabas is the leader. He's the seasoned follower of Christ. He's the one who vouched for Paul in those early days of his Christian walk. And now all of a sudden, the leadership roles are changing, and Paul is now the leader. And Barnabas has to learn how to operate from the second chair. You also see a member of their team get left behind or, or decide to go home. That's a critical piece in, in this episode here, that John Mark leaves, and most scholars believe that he was related to Barnabas. And so can you imagine one of your relatives who you really wanted to help grow and mature and be a part of the team, and they decide to go back. Uh, the relational dynamic, perhaps, between Paul and Barnabas was tested during that time. And then they experienced hardship, really, for, for the first time, if Paul truly did have an illness. Galatians seems to suggest that maybe Paul had had a, a rough encounter across the sea in, in those early days as they landed. So Acts 13 is a turning point in the life of these two men and their mission to carry out the gospel. It's a reminder to us that not everyone is going to be with us on every journey of faith. That sometimes God calls us to carry out his purpose and he's calling others to another task. And we all need to be okay with that. We need to be all right with that. As long as the gospel is being moved forward. And so what do they do? They go to the synagogue once they get to Antioch and Pisidia, which is a different Antioch than where they launch from. All the names are the same, right? All their people's names are the same and all the city's names are the same. So you gotta pay attention. So this Antioch, they go into the synagogue and the reason they go into the synagogue is because the synagogue is the central hub of life. Uh, that, that's where people go. That's where people are. That, that, that's the, the, move, the place to be. That's the third place. 
right? We know that third place idea, home, work, and whatever that other place is that you spend your time at. That's called the third place. Home is first, work is second, and that third place. Well, the third place in ancient culture was the synagogue. We have a third place around here, lots of third places. On Friday night, it's Mustang Drive in Friendswood. In Pearland, it's the rig. That's the central hub of life. Because you have thousands of people gathered to cheer and to laugh and to complain, to scream both, both in joy and pain. The central hub of our life are our city events. This summer, as we have seen, that our friends would, at least every summer, does the movie in the park, the concerts in the park, or the central hub, uh, Little League, softball. If you drive outside of my neighborhood the last three weekends, you can't even make it out because there are so many cars for softball tournaments. These poor girls playing in 100-degree heat, I remember those days, and I'm glad they're over. The dance studio, the community center, the golf course, the mall. Find that third place. Where is your third place and go there so that you may get to rub shoulders with those who are far from God and those who are near to God. And so they go. And Paul gives this history of Israel in, in verses 13 to 25 but he continues on with, with the power and the purpose of God. So if you'll keep, pick up the story with me, in verse 26, it says this. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, he's speaking directly to the Jews who are gathered there. And those among you who fear God, again, everybody else, the Gentiles who fear God. Everyone listen. To us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. You may have skipped over it in the early part of what I've read. But when Paul and Barnabas were in the synagogue, the reading of the scripture happens, and then the leaders of the synagogue, they pass a note or send a messenger kind of around to the back and say, hey, uh, we recognize that you're here. Do you have anything to share? 
You, you got a word of encouragement for us. Well, you don't have to ask Paul twice. Should be a good lesson for us. Because we should always be ready to share our story. We should always be ready to share our story. The note gets passed to Paul and Barnabas. Do you have a word for us? Paul says, I sure do. And he immediately gets, gets up and he gives us a brief history of Israel. A beautiful history of Israel. And then he gives us a wonderful testimony about the power of God and how Scripture has been fulfilled. How each person in this story had a key part to play. And he pays special attention to God's power, to God's provision, to the, the chosen nation of Israel. He, he raises them up and helps them see, you are the chosen people of God. He points out David, because it's important for David to be recognized to confirm the lineage of the Savior. Of course, his testimony wouldn't be complete without mentioning Jesus Christ, who God raised from the dead, who came to fulfill Scripture, even though all the people who knew the Scripture ignored it, but what do you know, they fulfilled it anyway. God raised him from the dead, and he appeared, and he brought good news, good news now that people will share. And then he mentions John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for the Messiah. There's some speculation that, that John the Baptist had kind of been exalted in that era in, in, a, in an unhealthy way. And, and so he wanted to remind the people that even John knew himself to be the humble servant, that he wasn't the one. He was the one to point the way. And Paul reminds us of the innocence of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who though there was no guilt found in him, Scripture was fulfilled that he might be crucified on that tree. To help the listeners in that synagogue that day to see, to understand, to grasp the idea that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. Paul was ready to give that answer, to tell that story in a moment's notice. Are we ready to tell our story at a moment's notice? Most of the time when people ask us questions or we engage folks in, in big life questions, we don't have to worry about reciting the history of Israel. That's probably not top on their list. May not be top on your list. But your story matters. We heard a story this morning of one whose life was changed. And your story is a simple one. Everyone's is the same some might be slightly more dramatic, but the death of Jesus is no different. And so are you ready to share your story? What my life was like before Christ? What was my life like? You might have been a performance-based preteen who thought as long as he made great grades and was 
excelling in athletic and obeyed most of the time and went to church occasionally, he was in a good spot with God. That might be your story. That's a story of somebody I know. But one night, your friends invited you to what you thought was a pizza party turned out to be a gospel presentation. And in that moment, you recognized your sin and that it wasn't about how much you did right. It was about your sin, that you missed the mark because perfection was unattainable. And so you surrendered your life to Jesus. And now, what's my life like after Jesus? How do I define my life because of my relationship with Jesus, full of joy and hope, maybe purpose, maybe you no longer feel alone, maybe now you know that God really loves you, that you are loved beyond measure, that you have peace, you're not in turmoil, you've been rescued, chains have been broken, I'm free, I'm excited about life. What's your story? Be ready in a moment's notice to tell your story. Not about how you joined First Baptist in 1982. That's important. But that's not what Paul shared. Paul shared about the power of Jesus Christ. The good news of the resurrection. And so be ready to tell your story. Be ready to tell specifics about your story, what my life was like before, and please don't spend a lot of time on that. Let's not highlight our sin for the world. Let's highlight the power of Jesus when we tell our story. And Paul, as he writes this, we bring you the good news that what God promised to our fathers, he has fulfilled by raising Jesus that's our story. There was a lot of good things that happened. The word spread after he shared that message. Uh, the word spread, and in verse 44, the story picks up. Because after he shared this, the next weekend, the synagogue was packed. It was filled. After he shared that message, word spread, everybody came to church. The next Sabbath, verse 44 says, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I don't know how they worked that out, but they did. Multiple services. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. What a condemnation. You thrust the word of God aside. You judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. There are people who are hungry for the message of Jesus. 
It may not be the people you expect or the people that should be hungry for the message of Jesus, but people are hungry for the message of Jesus. We may not believe that in today's culture, but if it was true in the first century, it's true today. People are hungry for the word of God. They're hungry for salvation. They're looking for something to fill the void of their life to make their life full and whole. And they're ready to listen. But of course, these Jewish leaders weren't particularly excited about this message of salvation through the Messiah. And so they argue and debate with Paul and Barnabas. Uh, They revile them. They defame their character. That's what that word revile means. Not just, I'm arguing with you, I'm defaming you. I am slandering you. I'm going to say how bad of a person you are. And they're spreading this. And in this moment, Paul and Barnabas stand up and boldly speak against these men. The, The scripture is a wonderful gives us wonderful insight into those times when we need to turn the other cheek and those times when we stand up and boldly proclaim the power of God and boldly proclaim the truth in the right circumstances, in the right situations, and in this case, as they're in the house of worship, they boldly proclaim the word of God and remind these men That the word of God came for you first. Salvation is first for the Jew. Jesus came as an Israelite to bring salvation to the nation of Israel and they rejected it. And so now God has sent us as a light to the Gentiles. Thank goodness, because that's us. And he quotes Isaiah 49 there. And these men are speaking against him. But let me encourage you, keep telling his story, your story, until someone will listen. Because even if there are those who will argue and fight and disagree and slander you, don't let that deter you. Because your job is not to convince them how awesome Jesus is. It's not your job. It's not our responsibility to to be, uh, to un to determine the results, easy for me to say, to determine the results of what happens when we proclaim the truth. Keep sharing your story because there are people out there who are hungry for the gospel. Keep telling how God has changed your life, how he sent Jesus, his one and only son, because he loved the world. He loved you. He loved me. He came to rescue all of humanity. Humanity that was headed for destruction. We were headed for destruction. And God rescued us. God doesn't send us to destruction. No, he rescues us from destruction unless we reject his offer of rescue. And these Jewish leaders were rejecting the offer of rescue. But some of them weren't. 
some of the Gentiles, some of the, those present in the worship, they received the message of the gospel. And if you and I keep telling our story, there will be those who receive it. There'll be those who hear, who understand, who say yes to Jesus. I need a savior. I need hope. I need new life. I need forgiveness of sin. And I want to receive Jesus as savior, to place my faith in him and him alone. But when you and I continue to share that message, when you and I continue to share the gospel, just like Paul and Barnabas, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Because look what happens beginning in verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Now that's exciting. Hey, yes, people are turning their life over to Jesus. They're glorifying him. They're excited about their faith. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But, there's that great word. The Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. They shook off the dust from their feet, for feet against them, and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When you and I share our story, people are going to respond. But may we never forget that following Jesus will not be the popular choice. It will not be the popular choice. It never has been and it never will be. Never the popular choice. There will always be people in power and in this case, leading men and these wealthy women. That's what they were, probably wealthy wives, you know, the real housewives of Antioch. <laughs> In Pisidia, by the way, just to make sure you get to keep, keep it right. It's a long acronym, but I'm sure. They had the power. They had the power to remove Paul and Barnabas, to drive them out. So don't underestimate the power of those who might be against you. But also don't forget the power of God to change lives because what happened before that? The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, not just in the city, but the whole district, the whole area. The gospel was spreading. Things were happening. The message of Christ was being declared over and over and over again. And when you and I face opposition, if you're not facing opposition, let me just say it this way, if you're not facing opposition, perhaps not much is happening in your life. We, we need to be proclaiming the good news. But our good news is pretty narrow, very narrow, one way. The way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except by Jesus. That's not the culturally appropriate message of acceptance and tolerance 
Now that's a message of the creator of our universe giving himself up for you and me. And our response is to surrender our lives to him. And when you and I face opposition, just like Paul and Barnabas did, it shouldn't discourage us. It should give us resolve, build within us perseverance, draw us closer to the person of Christ that we may be more holy, that we would walk closer to him because we know it's only through his strength and his power that we can keep going. On our own, we would give up because we're tired and weak and we don't like to get told how narrow-minded we are, how religion is a crutch. Surely you're smarter than that. Well, yes, I am. That's why I chose it. But know that when you and I have a message to bring, there will be those who will be against us. But we go on with joy because we should be living a life defined by joy just as these disciples were. Because it's a challenging situation where they're teaching, many, many people are coming to faith in Christ, life change is happening all around them, and all of a sudden there's a swell of dissension against them, and they drive them out of town. I don't know how that exactly looks. I mean, do they drag them out? It's going to go from bad to worse, by the way, as we look at the next couple of weeks. But they, they shoo them out of town. And Paul and Barnabas dust their feet off as uh, the Gospels tell them to do. And they, they move on. But the beauty of this moment is that lives were changed and people were filled with joy even though it didn't turn out the way they wanted. I imagine if I'm a, if I'm a young believer in Antioch, I'm like, oh, hold up guys, don't go so quick. You gotta help us. We gotta grow in our faith. Come on, we 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 got the masses. We we got the people. Let's just take these guys over and run them out of town. That's not how it worked. Because I believe there was one important line that helps us understand why. The last one. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was living inside of them. Because of their faith in Jesus. And so they could go in joy even though their circumstance was tough and challenging. They could go in joy even though it wasn't turning out the way they wanted. They could go in joy even though the leaders were now going to be against them. Not just against Paul and Barnabas. The leaders of the synagogue were going to be against them now. You still go in joy. And so if your life has been forever changed by the power of Jesus, let me encourage you to live with contagious joy so that others may ask you, what's wrong with you? Why why do things not get to you? And you'll be ready in that moment to share the unpopular story that Jesus is Lord. Will you pray with me?